The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, where we are informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode and a new member of the Leadership Matters team. You may have noticed, if you tune in on the Internet, that there are now four of us in the picture. John Janetta from Nebraska Family Services has joined us also. Um, today, I am co-hosting with Jenny Frumer, the well-known uh, host of, hostess of this show. She is the Executive Director at Jewish Family Services in Palm Beach, Florida. And I am delighted to have as our guest with us today, Miss Nina Woodward, who has an incredibly long list of credentials. She is the President and Chief Insights Officer for Nina E. Woodward and Associates, a consulting firm assisting leaders to launch new business strategic initiatives. Nina has um, done much work globally, and it's interesting that this month our topic has been that of vision and leadership vision, and last month our topic was on collaboration and partnership. So I think Nina's going to do a real nice job today kind of tying it all together for us as she talks about um, the concept of preparing for the future and holding a vision for the future with a global perspective and kind of challenges us to be sure we're all ready. And before I bring Nina on and give her some more introduction here, I thought it was worthy of note that today is the 50th anniversary of the March on the Mall of Martin Luther King's famous speech. And this morning as I was watching the news and the old clips, I thought, Wow, talk about vision and global perspective. So I thought we might just take a moment to acknowledge that today. Um, Nina, welcome. Thank you, Linda. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on the show today. Uh-huh. Thank you. And Jenny, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm really pleased to be here and joining you in our conversation with Nina. Thank you. I think I'll start out, Nina, by giving you a couple more words of introduction and then ask you to talk a little bit about what you do and some of your background and experience in uh, global thinking as well as global mindset. But Ms. Woodward is also the president of the San Diego SHRM, Strategic Human Resource Management, 
chapter, and she was previously the executive director for CIRM in India. And that is where I think she got quite a bit of experience looking at the power of vision and the globalization of the world. Um, she has a BS degree in management and at least four or five graduate degrees here, an MBA, a master's degree in banking, a certification in human resource management, and many other uh, accolades and accomplishments. She has consulted around the world in the Middle East, Hong Kong, India, Indonesia, Nepal, Singapore, Thailand, Taiwan, and she brings with us a truly global mindset. So, Nina, will you share with us what is a global mindset and a little bit more about the background of what you do? Yes, I will, and thank you for asking asking me to share that, what I, what I think is a really important perspective. For me, the way that I'm interpreting global mindset these days is really as the next iteration of diversity and diversity focus because the world is so connected today in ways that we never dreamed of being connected in the past. And uh, as a result of that connectivity and so much um, of the trends in economics and other um, critical issues like technology and whatnot that are impacting the way that business is happening, um, being open and being understanding of different perspectives is an even more important criteria or command for uh, professionals in the workplace and especially leaders in the workplace than it's ever been before. Um, I actually was introduced to the whole concept of this a long, long time ago when I was taking the graduate uh, banking school at Pacifico School of Banking in Washington State. And my economics professor at the time was a demographer and shared some very interesting stats about the future uh, impacts of demography on the way business would be conducted and the way the economics of the world would work. And certainly those things are happening today. I, I was on the... I was on the entry end then in my um, late 20s and early 30s, and I'm on the exit side now (laughs) in my 60s. Uh, So I've been able to watch and observe and see how that's all happened. So that all um, predicated my even caring about what happened globally was the research that I understood about um, the impacts of demography. And what does that mean? Do you mean the systems thinking approach to the world well, or the impact of demography? It's actually the impact of the demographics that are driving the future of the way that we have to look at the work we do and the visions that we have of work. And um, what is very evident and is happening today is that the vast amount of workers and the availability of young educated workers are in India and China and that there are uh, spots of dearth where we have workers or um, spots where there are not enough workers to fill the job demand uh, in most of the Western markets and most of the developed countries of the world. With some exceptions, the U.S. is now um, uh, having more children, and so we're, getting, we're, we're back and contributing to the uh, workforce population that way. But um, in a lot of the other countries, things have happened that have actually minimized their ability to have a, a workforce uh, as much as they, 
as they would need to be able to sustain themselves, and especially as workers begin to age out on, you know, in, into retirement. Mm-hmm. So that forces us to look at the world differently because now it becomes a talent issue and it becomes a sustainability issue for our businesses. It's not just a nice thing to recognize our neighbors or have respect for each other. We have to actually help and contribute toward the greater good. Is that what you're saying that demographics are calling for? Um, well, our, our, we, we not only have to help, but we're going to become dependent on utilizing it. And so recognizing the fact that we want to um, be open to new perspectives. And what I, what I always like to share about Global Mindset, as long as we make it just about the world at large, we don't feel any ownership of it, and we think that, you know, it's, uh, it belongs to somebody else. I'm not doing business overseas. Um, there's no need for me to care about this or anything because I don't have any foreign workers or I don't have an office overseas. I don't even have a, an overseas um, uh, supplier or anybody in my supply chain. So I don't really have to worry about the global mindset. It's, it really doesn't impact me. I would say, hmm. though, that global idea of global mindset really is, goes far beyond that, and it goes to the idea of being open to new ideas and perceptions and recognizing in other people that as long as we look outside ourselves for, um, as long as we fail to look outside ourselves and be open to the ideas and concepts that are around us, and as long as we think that we are the ones who know best, um, we miss a lot of opportunity and we miss a lot of intelligence. And what's going to be critical for business is to be aware of all of that intelligence that's floating around in their employees. And it can have as much bearing in the not-for-profit world as it has in the for-profit world. Um, I always share this anecdote that I don't know, Linda and, um, and Jenny, do you have family members, brothers and sisters? Yes. Yes. Um, have you ever sat around with them and talked about your favorite remembrance of some family event? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. And did you have one of your brothers and sisters look at you in disbelief and say, what, I don't remember a thing about that, or I, that was the worst day of my life? Mm-hmm. So the point of sharing that little exercise is that that is where the idea of being open to different perspectives becomes so important. It's not about global people far away all the way around the world. It's even as close as our own family because here we are raised in the same environment, the same parents experiencing exactly the same day but having completely different experiences of that day and completely different remembrances of that day. So when we talk about a global mindset today, it really means being open to recognizing, asking, and exploring what all of those other experiences are. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and that takes you right back to diversity. Yes, it and does. I think we're going to go to break in a minute here, but not quite yet. How did you give us a quick overview, Nina, and I'll probably have to interrupt you, but start at the beginning. How did you get into this? And what got you going on the global mindset? Well, when I studied the economics at that point, I didn't have any idea that I would be going overseas. But uh, I began to, the bank that I was working for in the international division was purchased by a a foreign-owned bank. And so we became employees of a British-owned company. And they primarily operated in the emerging markets. So 
I had an opportunity for an assignment uh, to go over to the Middle East uh, and uh, Southeast Asia and work and spend some time. That's where I got all of that experience in um, India, Hong Kong, Indonesia, and Thailand and working over there. And it just so happened that because I had that economics experience with that professor and learned about the impacts of um, demography, especially the, the populations in India and China, and the influence that would have on economics of the future, when I was in India the, at first in 2000, I could really see that trend of the rise of their economic power. And interestingly enough, I was just listening to the show while I was on hold for this show. Yeah, so, me too. And they were talking about just... Yes, they were. And they were talking about the economics that are really in a sad state right now because in India there's hyperinflation going on and the rupee, which is their currency, has gone up to like 70 to 1. It used to be when I was there, it was hovering right around 45. So that's a pretty significant um, increase in their buying power in India and it's definitely impacting other markets as well. At any rate, when well, I, I would... think what that's going to lead us into after the break, which okay. we're about to go to, is talking a little bit about how does the power of vision combine with global mindset and talk a little bit about visioning to move to help leaders in the business world, in the nonprofit world, in the public sector even, move towards the future and be prepared. So with that, I believe we're going to go out to a break. This is Leadership Matters, inspiring, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Please stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from Linda Shoup at OECStrategicSolutions.com and Jenny Frumer at the Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach. Again, we have with us today Ms. Nina Woodward, who is the President and Chief Insight Officer for Nina E. Woodward and Associates. Before the break, we were talking about um, how the demographics impact the workforce and talent management. And during the break, Jenny made some very uh, good comments that I'm going to ask her to repeat, and then we'll talk a little bit about vision. So, Jenny? Thank you, Linda. Uh, Nina, I, I just have been listening and am fascinated by um, the whole concept that you bring to the table, uh, particularly about how global doesn't necessarily mean anymore that it's over there because we're all part of being global. And thinking about demographics as it relates to impact on economics. And then I kind of took this leap to thinking about competitive advantage, whether it's a non-profit or for-profit, that at the end of the day, it's all about capabilities, you know, the the kind of um, skills, knowledge, um, that which we bring to the to to bear, but it's really competitive advantage in some ways because it's the capabilities and competencies. And so, if you don't have quote the workforce, then it's really hard to be competitive. You are so right, Jenny. And you know, when strategy is developed, they look at many factors, but typically the factors include demographics, the economy itself the political environment, um, employment opportunity and possibility, the HR environment, the global environment, um, society itself, and, and the technologi- technology that supports whatever the activity is that is going to be happening within the company. And, and this is where, you know, the CEOs and the senior level executives of profits and not-for-profits begin to identify the things that are going to be important to them if they want to maintain that competitive advantage. And certainly that HR piece means where is the talent to be able to do the work and how prepared are they going to be for delivering the, the, um, in, the, in the scope of how we are going to be doing business in that future. So you're absolutely thinking in line with the way that I that I think and present this information when I share it with others. Mm-hmm. And how does that relate to vision? Um, just before the break, Linda was asking about kind of global vision and where that fits in. When there is a strategy, and that's a really great question, when does it, you know, what part does vision play in that? Someone at the top of an organization needs to be the conveyor of the picture, if you will, of the future and what the organization is going to look like uh, as they're moving forward through time. Since we don't happen, 
since we live in real time, but the future doesn't happen until it happens, we have to be pulling ourselves from real time today into what that future is and keeping an eye on where that might take us. And so the leadership at the top of an organization who has this understanding of the components of strategy and a clear um, decision around how the strategy should be exemplified has to be able to speak it in a way that engages the employees and the officers of the company in an effort to be a part of helping the organization become what it needs to be to, to sustain the future. I hope that made a little sense. It sounded a little convoluted, but I hope it made some sense. What would some of the things look like on the ground? Well, identifying, and let me give you an example. And this is an old example, but I think it's still very relevant. A company like Infosys, which is one of the largest information technology companies now in the world, was founded in India by a gentleman named Narayan Muthi. And Narayan founded Emphasis in his garage. And it stayed in his garage for about five years. But he had a vision of what Emphasis had the capability to do and to deliver. And um, he articulated that vision. And today he has campuses all over the world. And I think that they employ over 100,000 people globally. Wow. So... It's that kind of, and of course, we're talking about back to the late um, 90s, mid-90s, early 90s, um, when he was really formulating his idea and concept and then beginning to start to build a company. And it took off, you know, significantly in, uh, in the 2000s then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about sustainable uh, vision that will draw you to a future that you want to be but are not yet mm-hmm. ready for. So let me probe just a little bit. People will say to me frequently, because um, I also work as designing some in the area of strategic planning, uh-huh. and people will frequently say, how do you create a vision and how do you um, get people to understand that you actually really never get there, kind of like the mirage when you're driving in the desert. Um, But what is this vision? How do you make it tangible for people? What a great question that is, Linda. Well, part of the way that it becomes tangible, first of all, is that it does have to be articulated clearly and consistently and it has to be re- repetitively compete, you know, um, communicated. So everyone begins to understand that it's real. And based on my experience and work, people don't accept, hear, or understand anything that you say to them in the workplace um, in terms of culture building and those kinds of things until they hear it almost 35 times. Now, 35? I, know that, I thought it was three. Well, three is to just begin to hear the first words of it. But to take it on board and to really do something with it, it takes a lot more repetitive um, um, positioning to be able to really get people to buy into it. So number one is consistency of message, and number two is repetitiveness of message. 
Then number three is, and this is where if you're an HR person, and that's largely what my background has been, um, in, although I was a banker who worked in HR, um, the, the process then of aligning all the things that you do to not only support the business efforts of today, but to begin to create the possibilities and the capability, if you will, that will be needed in the future is the role where that HR really can fill in and become that strategic business partner. A strategic HR person can do that. Pardon? You're talking about the strategic HR thinking person. Right, and it doesn't have to be an HR leader. It's just someone, uh, and perhaps an organization is small and maybe doesn't even have a defined HR person, but somebody internally looking after all of the techniques and tools uh, that the organization uses to carry out its daily mission and activity flow, um, that person needs to make sure that all of those tools that are used, like the performance review, the way that they hire people, the information that's shared with the employees, the reward system, the way that work gets done, the culture of the company itself being supportive uh, and open to new ideas and new perspectives, all of those activities are part of and parcel of the way that vision is interpreted and then acted upon. And you're so right about strategy because most of the things that I've read say that only 3% of companies feel that their strategy ever actually uh, achieves the target that it was intended to achieve. And a large part of that is because there's a missing component in the execution of that strategy. Or the external environment changes. Or the external environment changes. You're absolutely right. And at that point where that change happens, instead of reevaluating what would be success and what the strategy needs to be to adapt, they forget to. And do I have time to share another little story here? Yes. I think uh, so. I'll tell you when I hear the music. Okay, great. Well, I just want to share a story. It's called It's the Pike. It's the Tale of the Pike. And maybe some of the listeners have heard it. Have you or, or Jenny no, heard it? No, I have not. Okay. Well, let me share the story with you because I just found it the other day, and I think it really has profound implications around what we're talking about right now. There were some researchers who were studying behavior, and pikes are rather carnivorous fish. And they are kind of like a barracuda. They have horrible gnashing teeth, and they're pretty ugly. But they eat almost anything that moves that's anywhere around them, and they eat pretty much habitually. And they took a pike, and they put this pike in a huge aquarium. And inside that aquarium, they put upside down a glass um, cauldron that was full of minnows. So the minnows couldn't get out, but they were swimming around, and they could be seen by the pike. And the pike, for three days, the pike banged its head on the glass every day trying to get to those minnows. Minnows, I'm sorry. And it just, it would just beat its head all day long. All it did was try to get to those minnows in that glass jar. On the fourth day, it began just floating by the glass jar, but quit even trying to get any food or to get to the minnows in any way. And by the fifth day, it had floated off to the edge of the tank. Hmm. Now, it was hungry because it hadn't been fed, and this was part of the experiment. And so on the sixth day, the researchers took the glass cauldron out and let the minnows float free in the water. And what do you think that pike did? 
ignored them. He completely ignored them. He didn't even try to eat them. And why was that? He got conditioned Uh, to the way things were, and he believed that the conditions, and wasn't open to the fact that conditions may have changed, so he didn't reevaluate his environment at all. And boy, that, that is I, a fabulous story. And that tank, um, in that tank, actually starved rather than change his behavior. You know that the music's on, so we're going to go to break. But that reminds me of the pigeon experiments that they did when the same thing. They zapped them if they moved, and they starved to death instead of taking a risk or checking it out twice. So we need to be sure as leaders that we are not starving ourselves to death of new opportunities and connections and collaborations. And when we get back from the break, we'll pick up where we left off on this uh, important note. Thank you so much for listening in to Leadership Matters, inspiring leaders, informing leaders, and inspiring solutions. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back. Thank you for staying with us here on Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Today, I am Linda Schub, hosting your show from San Diego at OEC, strategicsolutions.com. Jenny Fumer, Executive Director of Jewish Family and Children's Service in Palm Beach, Florida, is hosting along with me. And Ms. Nina Woodard is our guest. She is the President and Chief Insight Officer for Nina E. Woodard and Associates. And before the break, we were talking about vision and sharing a story. Um, so let's pick up where we left off, Nina. Okay. Well, we had just shared the story of the Pike Syndrome, and on the break, uh, Jen, Jen shared that she had heard a similar story about a tiger uh, pacing in an 8 by 8 cage for 25 years and who, once when the cage was removed, still maintained the same 8 by 8 by 8 pacing routine and never stepped outside the boundaries of that cage. So the real uh, message in both of the examples, and I think, Linda, you shared one about a pigeon that that starved Mm to death because it had been zapped every time it moved, so rather than go for the food, it just uh, stayed back and starved. All All three of those help us look at what needs to transpire in a business in terms of strategy and building that vision for the future that is something that will not allow us to become obsolete and continue reevaluation. And we mentioned a couple of companies who have experienced um, a failure to reevaluate their environment and to adjust themselves in enough time to save their business model. And one, one of course, is Kodak, who you know, was a picture giant for so many years and then completely lost the market as things went Digital and a friend of mine actually said to me who worked for Kodak said Kodak had all the colors in the world except for black, and um, oh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, and of course, Blockbuster is another story that we know about today that's really changed the way that um, you know Netflix came along and stole their market, and they never believed that that would happen, but it certainly did did take away from what they were had been doing and the value that they were trying to create. So. Can we interrupt you just for one minute, uh, Nina, if you don't mind, please. Do we have a caller on the line? Hi. Yes, my name is Susan. Hi, Hi Susan. Susan. Thank you for Sorry. calling in. Where are you yeah, joining us? Thanks for taking my call. I'm in San Diego. Okay. And um, hopefully you've been listening. And you, you, do you have a question or a comment? I have a question, please. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm uh, looking for your help. I am a, I'm an entrepreneur, and I have a women's center here in San Diego. And I, my vision and my mission is very clear. And um, I try to enroll the instructors and our center manager into my vision. It's not quite as easy um, as it would appear, and so I'm wondering, what helpful hints can you share with me that will help me share the vision, and really enroll these women in seeing if, one, this vision really matches up with what they want out of their life, and um, two, is really empowering them if we're not on the same page and our visions don't match, that perhaps our working together is no longer the right uh, solution. 
Very good question. Complex. So, Nina, take it away. Well, thank you, and that is a really good question, and it's one of those conundrums that leaders are faced with a lot of times. So the the first and most important thing is, um, coming back to when I was talking about visioning, is to be able to clearly articulate that vision yourself. So mm-hmm. make sure that you have that you know the words that describe the vision that you want um, and you want the organization to become. The second one is to make sure that you, whenever you talk about it, it's consistent and that that vision isn't always changing, that it stays consistent as much as possible. Um, if you have to change the strategy to get to the vision, that's one thing, but until you can become what you want to become and establish a new vision for the next future, you want to stick with the same consistency that you're always talking about so that you have a very clear presentation of what it is that you are trying to engage these people in becoming. Okay. Um, Then, you know, some people do not want to um, take responsibility outside the scope of what they're told to do. They just want a frame of reference and just do that job. And we need those people because they deliver a product, and as long as they're delivering it well, they may not be the people that will be uh, the next director of a part of our business or the next director of our fundraising activity or whatever the position might be. They may not want to be promoted to that position, but they're going to deliver a consistent product and service for us as long as they are with us. Um, and they're pleasant people and they do a good job and they don't create any downside and pretty much they're just moving along the, the path, but they don't really want to have responsibility for getting to the future because right now maybe they're not connected with it. Right. So as a leader, what's important for us is to recognize we need those, those people to be there and to be strong, and we want to find out how can we support them in delivering the message and the mission of today, which is delivering what, we, what, what our product or service is to our clients today. Um, And they're okay. They don't have to want to be there in 25 years and make us be the, you know, the biggest organization. Um, Not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone is going to want to do it. But we want them to be okay with where we want to go, and we don't want them to do anything that doesn't support or acts um, in dissonance with the direction that we're moving, or we don't want them to show or indicate with other employees that they're not aligned with where we want to go. So it's right. just that they're not jumping on the train, they're not pushing the train, they're not leading the train, they're just kind of riding in the car. And they're okay, okay. and they're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's good for us, too. We need people who are willing to do those kinds of things, to show up every day and do the job. So the way we think about their contribution is a real-time contribution today, and we value that, and we try to support that. And, and, that's, and, and that's okay, and we're, we're good with that. However, someone's trying to say something, you know, let me just see. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was there another part you wanted to interject? No. uh Uh-uh. Okay. Go ahead, Nina. Sorry. Okay. So then, um, so it's, it's actually crafting the vision for where the people are in the, in this, in the cycle of understanding and also in the cycle of their lives because at different times in our lives, we're able to take on different responsibilities. So as a leader, being aware of where our employees are in their own um, business life cycle and also where our business is in its own business life cycle and making sure that we 
uh, try to provide the opportunity for people to engage based on what they're willing to contribute at, at this point in their life cycle and uh, align that with our business cycle as much as we can. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, though, that sometimes in great companies today, like Zappos, for example, are doing a really good job of identifying that people also not only need to have the skills to do the work, but they also need to have the skills to appreciate um, the vision of the company and to support the culture and operate within the culture of the company. And culture, mm-hmm. actually, when you look at the bottom line of it, is the way that things are done within the organization. So you want that culture to support that vision and to be aligned with that vision and to project that vision in the way that you act out the things that are important within the organization. But if people continue to be resistant, sometimes you do have to um, help them make a decision to go somewhere else because they're not in a place that's happy. Um, It's not happy for them personally and and it's detracting from your ability to be able to lead the organization. So, And one thing that I've found over time as an HR person dealing with those kinds of things, when you have one unhappy person, it usually uh, rubs off on a lot of other people. And the longer that you tolerate the unhappy situation without dealing with it appropriately, the more it damages the ability of the organization as a whole to maintain its functionality. Yes, I agree with that. And what I have found is that that also then rubs off on the clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're so right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for calling in, Susan, from San Diego. If you'd like, would you like to let our listeners know where your women's center can be found on the Internet? Sure, that'd be great. We're at www.motivate.com. Center.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's M-O-D-A-V-A-T-E-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Okay, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, please listen to the rest of the show for more good answers to your questions. Sounds great. Um, Thanks so much for taking my call. Ah, bye-bye. Jenny, any thoughts? Lots of thoughts, no time. Um, I think it's just so interesting to hear the kind of broad picture and then some touch points about how to move this forward as it relates to specifically relationships. I think what came to my mind is that no matter how great your vision is, if you don't build or have social capital and you really don't have a circle of influence and you really aren't able to network well, it's really hard to see a vision come to any kind of fruition. Well, it's interesting because at the core of the question that we just had, it's almost like a small nonprofit or a small entrepreneur saying, Mm -hmm. you know, yay, I'm starting something like the story Nina told at the beginning, uh, starting in the garage, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to jump in and help. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard for other people to Mm -hmm. have trust and faith and be ready Mm -hmm. to jump in and help if they don't have the same end in mind. And what trips us up sometimes, I think, and I'd be interested to hear both of your opinions on this, is that we confuse a goal with a vision. Like, Mm -hmm. my goal is to have 
however many fundraising events this year um, in order to do whatever the vision has to be, which might be, you know, micro-financing of businesses uh, internationally or those kinds of things. Um, but how do we communicate something that's a vision that doesn't land up as a goal and feel like work to mm-hmm. other people? Well, I have two thoughts to share. Do I have time? I think so, yes. Okay. So, f- first of all, I would say that, um, that Jen, you're absolutely right about what you're, you know, the way that you were thinking. And I see being able to be a good visionary uh, uh, very akin to being a good leader, which is leaders engage people in doing things they might not ordinarily do because they feel drawn to it because of your ability to influence them and to sell them a, a vision that is compelling. So they want to be a part of a something successful that's bigger than themselves. And when you have a vision as a leader or as an organization, it's not what you are today, but it's what you want to be. And so it's a vision of if you could, if you had you know, if you won the lottery tomorrow and you had all the money in the world, what would you do that next day? So it's like winning the, the success lottery for your business. What would you be? And, uh, if you know, if you had all the stars aligned and you could be anything you want to be. So that's your vision. Your mission is the goals and the things that you do to move you progressively toward that vision. And the mission changes every year. Mm-hmm. And it, But it's a clear understanding of the way that you get to where the vision is. And then your value... Let me interrupt you there, Nina, uh-huh. and I, I'm either hearing static or music from Matt, so do, are we about to go to break, Matt? Yes, I believe so. Okay, let's do that now, and then we'll come back and hear the rest of your sentence. Okay, so thank, thank you. thank you for joining us on uh, Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, thank you for staying with us for the final segment of today's episode of Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Jenny Frumer and myself, Linda Schub, are here speaking with Nina Woodard, who is the CEO and President of uh, the President and Chief Insights Officer for Nina Woodard and Associates. Uh, we were talking before the break about vision and all of the other uh, management and leadership, uh, pardon the term, but buzzwords that we get caught up into and how to differentiate some of that as we behave daily in our leadership roles. So we'll pick up there, and Jenny, I invite you to join in. Um, also, do you want to say anything before Nina picks up? Well, I, I just think, and you're probably going to talk more about this, that being a mental health you know, specialist, a licensed clinical social worker, what I do know is that behaviors are really hard to change. Mm-hmm. And that you, in order to change behavior, oftentimes you have to really get to the cognitive space to really talk about how behaviors can be a barrier to follow through or alignment. Hmm. So, so that's my two cents comment. <laughs> Go on, finish. Go ahead. No, so that, for our that, listeners, that comes from a comment we made at the break, which mm-hmm. was, um, "Can culture trump vision?" And we all three agree that culture can trump vision, and that's where the idea about behaviors being a part of the way that um, an organization can either live its vision or and be successful in attaining it or or not. And um, I think your point is very well made. Of course, there's no way to simplify this. And when you think about your organization, if you're more than one person, you're already dealing with multiple perceptions and background that brought whoever the other person that's working with you to the to this point where you are today. Um, there's so much learning that we do and so many things that impact the way we think that it's very, very difficult to understand or to even try to explain any one way to get people to change their behavior. The most success that I've seen in the workplace is where the leadership exhibits the kinds of behavior on a, on a continual and consistent basis that they expect from the employees and that they expect to be a part of that vision of the future, uh, the way that they exhibit that and the way that they work with each other. If, if those two things are not consistently aligned and those, the, that value set is not expressed in the culture of the company, and again, I'm going to explain that my um, definition of culture is the way that things happen, the way things get done within an organization. If that doesn't exemplify and support uh, 
the opportunity to move to that vision, you, it, will, it will not happen, and there's no way that you can make it happen because employees will always um, follow what they see and observe, not what they hear. Mm-hmm. and what's written. So it's the behaviors that, you know, it's always actions speak louder than words. So the very best way to be able to move people along is with consistent action and always exemplifying those um, behaviors that you want to see in the workplace of the future. Jenny, go ahead. Are you going to say? No, I, 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 it, it's, almost, Nina, like this could be like a three-part series because I think it's so rich with, um, again, looking at businesses, looking at organizations from a very high level, you know, the 3,000 kind of foot level. And then I'm always intrigued by how this relates and translates on the ground. Yes. And um, I think that what we really are saying is that you need the leadership but the leadership has to be more than just articulating vision. It really needs to be somebody who can also have their feet firmly planted on the ground and talk the talk and walk the walk to bring everybody along. You're absolutely right. And that's compounded today. That capability or competency is comp- in leadership is compounded today in terms of the fact that everything, nothing is, uh, monolithic anymore. Everything is multidimensional and now takes on a global perspective even to the point of what I discussed as global mindset, which is the way that you relate to your other family members in terms mm-hmm. of just being open to other perspectives, other opportunities, other viewpoints in your in your own marketplace, mm-hmm. in your own workplace. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's just a fascinating discussion, and I agree with Jenny. I feel like I wish we could take a three-part series dive into this. Um, when you let me go back to something I said in the opening comments, and you know, when you think about the leaders that you interact with today, or global leaders, or um, uh, people that you uh, consult with anywhere. What, who do you think of as a leader and why? Who is standing out these days and for what reason? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, and it's very hard to identify a single person that right. you would think in a leadership role that is really doing a dynamic job. Um, there are many at the large, you know, at the heads of many companies, but the ones that I see that most, uh, in my practice now and also that I deal with every day are are mostly small company leaders who have a really amazing vision um, uh, and who have been able to so clearly articulate that. I was at a program the other day and a, a lady named Kelly Ireland, who is the CEO of CB Technologies in Orange County, was talking about her story and her business, which is now over millions of dollars uh, a year in annual revenue. And she started out in her garage as well. And it was, a, it was a niche space in the business that she had been working in. And she moved out of um, a larger corporate environment uh, and was able to, to see a spot that wasn't being met by the corporate um, providers of service. And she filled that gap. And she now has taken uh, a business that started with two people, and it's a business that has 18 people, and it's doing, you know, uh, over over um, 
I think they I hit fifty million dollars in business last year. Wow. So this is this is a huge success story. And when you hear her talk, music. Oops. I hear music. Oh well. Go ahead and humble, wrap up. She's Go humble ahead, and yes. down to earth. So <laughs> that's a good leader. Yeah. That's so an amazing somebody who can story. speak about it. Somebody who has the passion. Somebody who can walk their talk and not change their mind every day and be consistent with their followers and think beyond themselves, beyond perhaps their organization, but into the external environment. So we have spoken today in a very fast-moving conversation about the vision and um, how our leaders of the future need a global mindset and to be able to articulate their vision. We've been speaking with Ms. Nina Woodard, and Nina, would you please uh, do your infomercial and give us a website that we can sure. reach you at? Sure, I'd be happy to, Linda. Thank you so much for the opportunity. First, I'd like to recommend a book called Wickonomics. It's by um, two gentlemen um, named... Um, uh, Don Papscott and Anthony D. Williams. It was written in 2008, but it certainly will help you understand how important vision is today. And again, my name is Nina Woodard, and my company is NinaEWoodard.com, www.NinaEWoodard.com. And um, I work with small businesses to help them look at uh, developing a, a strategy for being in foreign markets or for foreign businesses coming into the U.S. trying to establish a foothold. Fabulous. Well, thank you for being our guest today, and thank you, Jenny, for joining us. Thank you, and thank you, Nina. Thank you. And it was great we're... to meet you. You yes, too. Yes, we're signing off. We look forward to seeing you all next Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Once again, this is Linda Schub at Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Good afternoon. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.